This episode was originally a live stream on YouTube. You could find out about all my content and how to follow and support me at erichunley.com. I hope to hear from you. And now, on with the show. My name is Eric Hunley, and this is Unstructured, where we have dynamic and formal conversations with some amazing people. Is Christ. <laughs> okay, we're sort of live. Everything in the universe is conspiring against us, but we are going live just to make sure that we can get some message out there and we can talk to the people. How are you doing today? Let's get your name in at least. Doug Scott Kramer, how are you? Good, man. Let me figure out a way to sit here so I don't, uh, so we can get some camera quality here. I'm doing okay, man, but I do feel like the church is conspiring to make this thing not happen, bro. This yeah, is very well, unusual. Yeah, let's literally describe the issues because I, I know that you hate making people wait, and I obviously hate making people wait. Yes, and this man. can happen as they drift in, but... Good Lord, we were on <laughs> and sort of talking, but there was like literally a five to 10 second delay between anything he said and anything I said. So we were like, okay, let's shut down the program, close the browser, restart the computer, let's kick things back up. And then nothing would come up and it would be like no camera, no anything. So we're we're not going to accuse lest we get in legal trouble, but it seems awfully... <laughs> odd that Suspicious. Doug is involved formerly with a group that is known for having private investigators, um, <laughs> shall we say, muck with everything around them. So I deeply apologize for the delay. Um, eventually, we'll get this settled down. And Sorry. wow, never had this many issues before. How's everybody doing out there? I see a lot of comments here. 61 watching. i I've been stoked about seeing this or talking, not seeing this, um, about doing this episode for a bit. And I actually did not take a whole bunch of notes, a whole bunch of questions. I just, I listened to some of your episodes. I listened to some interviews and I'm just kind of wanting you to hopefully walk me through how you got in and keep in mind that I, I know you've been on a lot of shows and these guys all essentially know about Scientology and how it all breaks down everything else. I am not one of those people. I, I am the general public who wants to know, okay, how exactly do you get caught up in to a situation? I'm not even going to say cult because again, legal terms are, are you have to be careful with a certain terminology. So I might say that they have been described by as a cult from people like Rick Allen Ross, who I've had on, and he is considered a cult expert, as well as Ian Haworth, also a cult expert, have both on. Please check it out. But tell us a backstory. You started in Scientology as a child. How did you get in there? Okay, Eric, um, I'll try to make this as succinct as possible. First of all, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you pretty good. It was better than the computer. Oh, my. I'm sorry about that to you in the audience. That was a nightmare. <laughs> so, succinctly, here's how it happened. My dad got into Scientology by going down to work one day. He saw an ad in the newspaper that said, Dianetics, learn how to communicate better. Mm -hmm. That spurred him to go down to the church that morning. It's called the Ventura Mission here in California. It's about 15 minutes away from his work. He, the way I describe it in one of the videos is he came home that night with a thousand yard stare, you know, like the military has where you're traumatized. He, I understand that was hypnotized to put it in a word. 
I don't know exactly what happened, but what Scientology does to every newbie that comes down there is they find their ruin. Another word for that is their vulnerability. So I can describe how that happens if you want later. But the story Mm -hmm. is they found his vulnerability within a few hours. Yeah, you call it ruin? mm -hmm, It's called a ruin. That's what they call it. Obviously, they don't tell you that, you know, when you're going down there. They just said, we want to help you. But the, uh, the people that are there to interrogate you are trained and they know it's called a ruin. That's so ironically anyway, titled if you think about it. Yeah, but like I said, they don't tell the public that. That's just what they tell the people, the registrar and the person trying to um, snooker the person. That's that's what okay. you learn in the, tra- in the training. So anyways, he, he um, signed up for a good chunk of courses and auditing, I believe, which cost a lot of money because he came back home that night and all of a sudden he said, uh, to my mother, I found this new thing called Scientology. I need to borrow a large chunk of money from my brother in order to do this immediately because we didn't have a lot of money and they wanted quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And this caused a riff in the family for several months. Let me just cut to a long story short. My mom, rather than getting a possible divorce, because he basically said, I either need to do this or we might have to get a divorce. So my mom, even though her instincts told her initially this is evil, because we knew right away evil had entered our house. That's what I said on one of the videos. Something was wrong with my dad. He was talking strange, and he had that thousand-yard stare in his eyes. How old were you? I was around nine or ten years of of age, and I remember this very, very well. So they argued for a couple months. Finally, my mom said, look, why don't I go down and check it out? Rather than this have us break up the marriage, I guess I'll just go check it out. Long story short, of course, they found her ruin, and she kind of signed up too. However, real quickly, Eric, Mm -hmm. she's not really a Scientologist, and she never really has been one. She sort of did it because she got manipulated to keep the family together. So we always had to kind of push her to go up the Scientology's bridge to total freedom. But uh, she just did it because of the situation I just described. Now, flash forward to me, once my mom got into it, when I would have trouble at school or with a girlfriend or something, they would sit me down. They learned this in Scientology. They would sit me down, have me offload, have a cathartic experience by being honest with them and telling them what my problems are. Mm-hmm. And then they would tagline it at the end saying, what's tagline? Tagline meaning after two hours of babbling and then listening to me, you know, and, um, you know, like any parent listening to my problems, they would say, do you want to kind of be punished for a month or do you want to just go take a course at Scientology for a week? This Uh. is how... They did this many, many times, Eric. And I told him to, I use four. Are we allowed to curse on here or should, should I just? Minimally. Oh, okay. I, I, I won't. I use four letter words many times. And I got very angry whenever they, whenever they said that. Cause I didn't like Scientology. I didn't know much about it. I knew my parents were fighting about it, but like I said, I knew evil entered our family. So I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, eventually I did start going down and taking the courses just to appease them and because I didn't want the punishment. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is my man, because I didn't know it's a subtle brainwashing program. It's a thought reform program. Mm -hmm. So just by me innocently taking the courses and we can talk about that more as we go, if you want, I was being brainwashed. So I started, the ideas are sensible at the beginning. They don't hit you with Xenu or the space opera crap right away. It's sure. all sensible tools for life. So I was taking to that in my teenage years. That in my some of them are legit, right? I mean, some of the tools probably are universally accepted in psychology and things like that, I'm guessing. It's just there's a, a back-end fee. 
You're kind of right about that, but there's a trick and a snag in each of the courses that, that you take, but they seem like basic tools for life. They're not, they're a setup of boiling a frog in the hot water. So uh, they caught me at a vulnerable time in my life. A lot of times a cult member can get in when they're at a vulnerable point, a transition uh, phase, et cetera. So I hit that point in my early twenties. I went down to Scientology and I signed up and decided to dedicate myself to Scientology. Again, I can tell you more about that as we go. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, uh, let's um, back up because it sounds like a couple of questions. One, when you were growing up in it, um, and I, I'm going to release something about myself. So, you know, I've talked about it before some, but when I was seven, my mother changed religion, quote unquote, and we suddenly mm -hmm. belonged to a new church, the Worldwide Church of God, which is on the list of uh, cults under Rick Allen Ross's Cult Education Institute. Fortunately, I don't know if it was laziness or didn't want to deal with it, or maybe my dad quietly was you know, pushing things on the side. It never really took for me. And I would read Stephen King in church, which probably was not seen as very cool. But anyway, it, it just never really took. So I didn't fall into it. Uh, all I, The main thing I remember is that Christmas was taken away because that was no longer considered a legitimate holiday. And that sucked. And I will bitch about that for the rest of my life because I'm <laughs> selfish. But, you know, it is what it is. The key thing is, though, fortunately... I was antisocial and, you know, caught up in my own world and I didn't get caught into a lot of things. And my mom, we lived far out of town, so we couldn't really go in all the time. So a lot of the other kids who were in the church, you know, they always played with each other. They would go into each other's groups. I never really got on with them because I just thought they were weird. They probably thought I was weird and they're probably right, but it never took was that the case with you that like your parents' friends were Scientologists once you were in and all of your friends were ultimately part of the organization? No, not at all. Um, the only people that were in it were my family and uh, relatives and stuff were actually quite freaked out that we were Scientologists as well mm -hmm. as my friends. Oh. I kept it. A, I kept it a secret. It's not something that I would ever tell them. No people's, um, Eric, I grew up without the internet. Nobody could Google Zenith. So did I. Right? <laughs> the same age about, I think. Yeah. Well, then you would, know, you would know that not a lot of people know about Scientology today sure. like they did then. So it was considered, even then, freaky, weird. And no, we dude, we didn't have family members that were into it. They were scared that we were in it. In okay, I, I didn't know because a lot of cults, like if you go, well, mm -hmm. a lot of very strong <laughs> organizations... <laughs> Um, you will find that the family disassociates with other family members and other friends. Like I know you have said you have not seen your parents uh, no. face to face for many years now. And essentially you're was an apostate or whatever, you know, when you get, fall out, that's like the worst you can be. It's bad enough that there are creeps who aren't involved, but to leave, Oh, you're worse than the worst. But I, I just didn't know if that was the case. And are you unusual in that? Are most other Scientologists, you know, kind of bound together with um, other Scientology folks? Oh, maybe I misunderstood your question, Eric. Were you uh, asking if other family members also got into Scientology once we got into it? Or were we just hanging around Scientologists once we became Scientologists? Once you were, yeah, once you became, I just didn't know if everybody around you was Scientology oriented, which would, I think, oh. kind of pull you down that chute. 
Oh yeah, totally. I'm sorry. I misunderstood you. Um, I definitely, in fact, that's part of being in any, what do you want to call it? A high control group, Eric? I know we can't use yeah, the C word. Right, you know, so, what's the I'm legal? Being overly sensitive because I could always say in my opinion. Right, right. Uh, I use the C word opinion, all the time. I just, you know, I, I, you, you are part of an organization that has lots of lawyers. That and is definitely I interview correct. a lot of lawyers. So I try to think I'm not stupid. Right, 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 right. You're a smart man. So, but but yeah, what you said, they um, I very quickly had only Scientologists around me. Okay. In fact, that's part of any high control group. They'll distance you from the outside world. They teach you the outside world's e- evil. Only mm-hmm. Scientology has the technology to clear or save the planet. And I 100%, like any high control group member, bought into that. So when I left, you know, I lost everybody I knew because I didn't have really any other friends. And those friends that I did have in the outside world were very frightening to me when I was coming out, because now I had to integrate with these people that I was told were evil my whole life. Yeah, now on that, and this is why I think it's uh, so significant to talk to you, is because you were young enough to genuinely have the message skewed and, and not understand any other way. I mean, I... You know, we have a lot of times saying, oh, that's ridiculous or that's dumb. And you mentioned boiling the frog. And I've stated on here before that um, cult behavior type organization, whatever, are very similar to an abusive spouse or partner. And when I'm just going to do the generalization, but when let's say a woman meets a guy and they're usually the abusers, usually male, there are exceptions, obviously. But it's not like on the first date that the guy smacks her across the face. He's probably very charming and supportive and cares a lot. And if anything, a lot of times abusers go even further overboard to the point where they are just super hyper interested in everything about the person who ultimately becomes a victim, which is very flattering. You know, what is it? The most beautiful... Yeah, the most beautiful yeah. word to our ears, according to Dale Carnegie, is our own name. And I think there's something mm-hmm. to that. So having an organization or people who really care about you deeply and are trying to help you, that's very seductive. And over time, you start to just realize, um, wow, it's my fault. I really slipped up there. And everything that I understand about Scientology, you mentioned about uh, Nexium stealing from Scientology. I would argue, and I think Rick Allen Ross stated this, so he's obviously an influence, but Scientology borrowed from North Korea, and that's all out of Robert Lifton. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Um, North Korea is a perfect example of what Scientology uh, is, and maybe any other high control group, and I, I liken it to George Orwell's 1984. It's a snitching culture, it's mm-hmm. um, it's a brainwash like North Korea, and that's that's actually a perfect example. That's that's what it is. Yeah, well, and and, and they would do that. That uh, mm-hmm. Lifton study because they would get prisoners of war, and then mm-hmm. they would genuinely be saying, "I can't believe what my nation does. They're a horrible, terrible, blah blah blah." Down the line, and I forgot the name of his book, but he's still alive. thought reform and the psychology of totalism. What you said. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, 
that path is very scary. And I'm going to slip in and out of different things because I'm, I'm a big believer in free speech. And there are things that are going right now that actually I think aren't that dissimilar too about controlling messages that are, are going on. And it's not only from the quote conspiracy theory people, but I'm saying Silicon Valley itself hmm. by shutting down, only allowing certain messages, things like that. But back to where you were, you fought against it for years and it sounds like you just kind of played along to get along for a while and then eventually caught in. Now, if you're uncomfortable sharing it, don't, but to give everybody an idea, what was your ruin? I know you can't no, discuss I'm, your parents, but what was right. that? No, you can ask me anything, but I'm not uncomfortable discussing anything. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing these videos. Um, yeah, I, <sighs> It's a long story, man, but what led up to it was basically marijuana. In the, what's a word I can use besides the C word, Eric, so I don't have to keep saying thought well, Okay, well, just, we'll have a blanket statement. In your opinion, it, okay. this is a cult. And then yeah. just if you say it, the, yeah. the, the thing, the cult, whatever. Okay. So they, um, in Scientology, drugs are horrible. Now you can chain smoke and... You can drink, um, but drugs and specifically marijuana were evil. And also during that time, societal speaking, it was kind of bad too. So that was my ruin. That was the thing that was killing me. I was a musician. I was smoking pot on a regular basis. I was trying to hide it from my parents. And I felt like I was killing my mind and I was doing something really, really bad. And I knew that because of the stuff that I was learning in Scientology as a kid, just how anti, just how much I was screwing up my brain. So well, I ended up, yeah. There actually is science that would back that up technically. If you were underage, I think you have to be, right. if you're under 25, you can cause brain damage by too much marijuana. Right. And I'm not, even, I'm not even saying that was necessarily a good thing to be smoking weed at that time. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then, but I'm saying you add on Scientology doctrine to that and you have to understand that's a big deal. You're not allowed to do it weed at all part of that by the way is because the mind control won't take uh you'll probably be able to see through it um that's sure. that's an yeah anyway so what happened is is i got kicked out of my apartment so i was in an apartment uh, in ventura in my early 20s and the landlord who said you know before i moved in there no drugs you can smoke you can do whatever you want but don't you dare bring drugs in here and i said yeah no problem man so i got away with smoking weed there for about a year I would, uh, you know, smoke it, and blow it out the window. And one day when I came home from the beach, he caught me and he said, please sit down. Uh, I'm going to have to kick you out because you're smoking weed. So my parents were in New Mexico on vacation at that time. And I had a decision to make. I thought about this for a couple of days. I can either lie to him, no problem, and then just move on. I don't have to tell him what happened or why I got kicked out. No big deal. But I had enough Scientology that was going in. And I, and I always felt like Scientology was good and they teach you to be ethical and honest and in the back of my mind when i was growing up i was like if i can ever get ethical and honest with myself i think i will join scientology so i hit that point where i was like you know what i'm not going to lie to my parents anymore i've been lying to them my whole life i'm a drug addict i'm killing my brain and i'm not going to lie to them i'm just going to tell them the truth so what i did is i called up a guy named jim hamry down at the ventura scientology mission and I said, I'm ready to do Scientology. And I came down there and I offloaded everything to him. 
we can get into that process later if you want. That was, oh, no, that we, we definitely are, because uh, one question I never heard asked of you, and I kind of missed it. It could have been another interview. If you were deep into it, I'm imagining you were recruiting people and actually doing some of the stuff to others. And I yeah. definitely want to go deeply into that. So we'll wait and we'll get there. But I'm just mm-hmm. foreshadowing. So folks, stick around. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So long story short, they didn't really have to find my ruin. I just told Jim Hamry, look, here's what's going on. I'm smoking pot. I'm a liar. I'm this and that. And then I said, I'm ready to do it. And so I called my parents up right after that meeting. And I said, I joined Scientology. And they were so freaking ecstatic, Eric. They couldn't believe it. They always wanted me to become that mm-hmm. because they love me, man. Your mom too? Evil. <laughs> yeah, they really were they were into it at this time. So they thought this is the greatest thing or our kid could go spiritually free and he could be a better person. Cause they knew I was a, I was the black sheep of the family. So I was a, a screw up. degenerate. I was man, but not in, <laughs> looking back at it though, Eric, I thought I was super, super bad, but looking back at it, it was just typical teenage rebellion stuff. Sure. But like you said sure. earlier, you blow things out of proportion because you have this loving organization, this loving family. And every time, you know, you don't feel like you're being manipulated. You feel like, you know, you trust your parents and you trust Scientology. So I felt like they were ethical and they were good. And I was the one that was evil and bad. And now I'm ready to get my, my stuff together. You know? Wow. Somebody said they copied and pasted your post before Reddit took it down. Interesting. What? Oh, I had some stuff happen on Reddit too, by the way, when I first started talking out about this, some threats and stuff. So. Okay, I, I just saw that. Um, I'm there's comments that are always going on the side here, um, <laughs> so that's why I'm popping them on the screen, you know, rather than interrupting the flow. But I'm kind of multitasking yeah. here. But uh, yeah. yeah, Timothy Locke's perception is annoyed with me because I mentioned that about brain damage with weed. There is some <laughs> medicine or whatever behind it. I'm not going to get into it. I'm no expert on either. Um. And then as far as thumbs down, that's how I know I made it, Timothy, is because <laughs> now every video I put, I, I have thumbs downs before they even happen. And it's like, awesome. Awesome. It could be a Scientology plant on some of those thumbs down too, dude. You never know. I don't know. I, I get them all the time. And it's just kind of like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Oh, cool. Okay. So that's Welcome, welcome to the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I did um, one video and I got the worst comments you could ever imagine. So I, I'm learning. Yeah, it's like I've had that, that happen okay. too, brother. <laughs> it's a real thing. Okay, so <laughs> we are, um, let me see. We're now at the point where you said, hey, 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 okay, I, I'm going to go all in. What about, I mean, the people you dated and things like that? Um, were were they all involved in the church one way or another or, or what? I mean, I'm curious i actually talked about that in one of my videos i became a full-on scientologist like i said in my early 20s and i was going up their bridge and i had a girlfriend at the time of about seven years we were off and on and it was because of scientology that we broke up additionally it was because i was moving out to hollywood to be an actor but i could have still been with her if i wanted to it was just we had a long talk eric one night where mm-hmm. I made some BS excuse as to why, oh, I'm moving to LA, I'm going to be an actor, and we can't really right. see each other, blah, blah, blah. The real reason was, is I needed her to become a Scientologist. In fact, a couple of weeks before this talk, I hornswoggled her to come down to the church and see Jim Hamry so they could find her ruin and get her in. Luckily, she mm-hmm. didn't take to it. 
But that was a big moment because when we were driving home that night, see, here's it. Here's how it is, Eric. You pretend like you're not really trying to proselytize or get somebody into it. So I told her, hey, no big deal. But if you want to check it out, blah, blah, blah. Deep down, I'm thinking, not even deep down, I'm thinking, if you don't take to this, we're not going to have a relationship. So this is a do or die for her and us. And she needed to take to it that night. So when I was driving her home, I just nonchalantly said, so what do you think? Blah, blah, blah. She's like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of, well, she said, what do you think? I kind of like it. And I said, oh, it's your choice. You know, you can do whatever you want because they teach you, you know, never to push it on people. Long story short, it wasn't her thing. And then we broke up a couple of weeks later and within a month I headed out to Hollywood and that was the end of that. And yeah, Eric, it had everything to do with the fact that when you're a Scientologist, you only want to date and hang around other Scientologists. It doesn't mean that you can't date what they call wogs, which is their mm-hmm. derogatory word for outsiders. But it's, what does that mean? He says it's, it's a derogatory word. I don't know exactly what it means. Somebody in your comment section will definitely know what it means. But he said that it means worthy oriental gentlemen, uh, mm. which is a way of saying these are just average people. They're not superhumans like Scientologists. Uh, like Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, no, that makes sense. And um, yeah, we'll we'll sidetrack here a little bit because somebody brought this up. And it is a big question. Scientology really loves actors. And is this because actors give them a public image that can suck other people in? Or is yes. it that actors are particularly susceptible? Like, from what I understand, Tom Cruise had a, a pretty serious reading disorder. And mm-hmm. Scientology helped with that. I'm, I'm not sure if that's the case or not. It, it's just something I've heard. That is the case. You're right. That's exactly why he got into it. That was his ruin, dyslexia. He also believes that he's been cured from that too. I was just watching an interview last night where he was talking about Scientology cured me. They have this thing called study technology and it works. And I no longer read backwards. That's total BS, by the way. Uh, they don't fix dyslexia. Uh, I'm sorry, Eric. What was the original question before? Well, I well, why that? Why? Why so many actors? I mean, is, is yeah. it? Uh, Okay, first off, I'm guessing that they're not exclusive to actors. They like many other people as long as they have money. But mm-hmm. is there a reason that actors um, seem to kind of be susceptible or fall into it? Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. And you said most of them. It's the fact that I said it in one of the videos that I had a pre-planned network out here. I only lived an hour away. But because I could come out here and go to Celebrity Center AOLA, which stands for Advanced Organization Los Angeles. In other words, they have a lot of places that I was already connected up to, and I had a a way into the business just by being a Scientologist. That's what even made me have the confidence to move out here and try it. So there is definitely that, Eric, and they're very um, vulture-like and aware that people are vulnerable. They want a way into the business, and Scientology has had the perception out here of being able to do that. And they kind of can help you in in that way. Um, And then another thing is, it's not just actors, like you said, it's anybody with money. It's any, they can get anybody with, um, everybody has vulnerabilities. They're experts at finding it. So if you hit them at the right place, right time, and definitely, definitely they recruit actors. They're famous people because obviously those are going to be the people that are going to give them the public perception that they're great. They're going to influence the most people. And Tom Cruise himself is the number one person responsible, I would imagine, for getting the most people in Scientology. That's a big reason why they do it. In fact, L. Ron Hubbard had a policy, I believe, called Project Celebrity, where he was uh, 
basically just told you target these these guys man because we freaking need them because they're going to influence the crap out of the public and get people's mm-hmm. asses in here have you met any of the um shall we say actors involved kirstie alley leon rimney at one time tom cruise um and of course john travolta and I, i'm gonna visit him in a minute too yeah, I didn't meet any of those people. Um, I did hang around the C-level celebrity clique. They have different levels at the celebrity center. And when you start to make it, they invite you into a special actual clique where you get special privileges, your own place to park and everything. Um, how some how of do the they act- separate? Do they have like, oh, that's a celebrity floor. Nobody goes on celebrity floor unless you have yes. that. Yes, dude. That's, you just said it. Oh. And they have their own place <laughs> where it it's exactly what you just said. They have their own celebrity rooms, the badge and the it's private parking underground that only the celebrities go in. It's exactly like that. Um, okay, somebody I did, asked for the super chat yeah. and we'll get back to it because I know that it, your acting career did suffer after leaving. So I just oh, want to yeah. address it early and then we'll get to that again later. Um, okay. So. Oh, just to answer your question. Just to answer your question, Eric, real quick. Yeah, I did hang around the C-level actors. Um, Jason Doring, who was on Veronica Mars, he was my best friend for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. I lost my best friend, not to Scientology, because they didn't offer him or anything, but he was trying to get out of his family, and he kind of had a nervous breakdown. It's a long story, but Scientology was definitely a, a part of that. He was going to be a big, big actor. He was super talented. He's my best friend. I can't believe he's not with us. He died at 28 in a car accident. And his name is oh. Nick Lashaway. He's been in a few movies and what have you. And who else? Yeah, Laura Perpom was in my acting class. She was on um, that 70s show and Orange is the New Black. Uh, Bobby Lyons was my acting teacher. Uh, I went to Milton Casales' class for a while. He's another science. There's two, real quick, there's two Scientology schools out here where they actually mm-hmm. recruit people. Oh, not man. anymore because it's changed, but the Beverly Hills Playhouse was a major act, uh, Scientology in disguise school run by a guy named Milton Casales. And there's been many famous uh, Scientologists that have been um, come out of there and also people that have been converted in that class that became Scientologists. So, yeah, I hang out, I hung out, like I said, with some of the C-level celebrities. I never met the bigger people, but they were always uh, out and about, you know, at Celebrity Center. It, since we were all in the same group not cult group they uh they would they they felt comfortable you know and people would jump on them like they would out in the public you know what i mean wow so uh, okay i i want to visit john travolta for a second because from what i understand Mm -hmm. scientology has a a giant problem with homosexuality and there are some pretty there's rumors out there well-publicized rumors. I'm, I'm just stating I've seen headlines and rumors. Is that possibly part of why he might be in it? That's what people say, but I would say no. Because, you know, with, let's take John Travolta. The public perception is probably that he's gay, right? So mm-hmm. he would have to have some awareness of that. And that wouldn't be the black man material that was keeping him in there. There's two well, what reasons if they're why training people, him yeah. to not be in, in the in the mind. I mean, right? They do do too. They do that too, and undoubtedly, he's probably convinced that he isn't gay while he's maybe sleeping around and stuff. Because one of the main, well, a big reason where they capture people, my man, is they promise to delete the gay out of you with their auditing and their courses. 
it might take $10,000, it might take $100,000, it might take a million, and you have to get to the top of their bridge before the gay will be deleted. But they subtly and not so subtly promise that, that is, they can actually remove that. So if you have a problem with being gay and you don't feel so confident about that, they pounce on that. And I would say, I don't know what the percentage is, Eric, but a very high percentage of people are in there that are gay that think there's something wrong with that. And they're trying to get rid of it through their auditing and their processing. It's so evil, by the way. Um, well, and that, that's why I wanted to go there and ask, but um, mm -hmm. what if you're poor? What if you're, what if you don't have money? I mean, I'm, I'm being not serious a, here. It's like, not a problem. Hey, not a problem, Eric. Scientology can take care of that too. We'll just have you sign a billion year contract. We'll throw you on the rehabilitation project force, which is like a boot camp for a year or two. And you can work for the organization for the next billion years, making about 40 cents an hour, seven days a week, all day, all night. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm not theory? kidding. Yeah. And also, Eric, it's human trafficking because they get kids to sign this contract, eight, nine, 10 years old. They throw them in there around 12 years old, I think, is when they can legally go in there. And they own them for the rest of their lives doing slave labor where the government doesn't seem to have a problem with that. Because it's a religion. Of course. And you can't fight that in court because they are a religion. Well, it took a while before it was declared as such. So, I mean, that's a whole nother story for the tax. Yeah. They had to blackmail the IRS in order to get that. Yeah. Um, or allegedly, I don't know. about <laughs> Yeah. Allegedly, but it is documented, Eric. In fact, it was put out in the movie going clear, which went through every lawyer and their mother. So I'm just repeating something that's on HBO's sure, sure. documentary going clear. Yeah. I, I watched that years ago. I, I haven't seen it recently, so I don't know. And I have the book, but I haven't gotten through mm -hmm. it. But, um, okay, on, on the Sea Org question or whatever, um, somebody asked, uh, Jeremy Cat Studio, thank you. Uh, what is your theory about what happened to Shelley Miscavige? Yeah, everybody asked that, and everybody's super focused on that. I'm not saying that's not important because that's a missing person. But that is, I mean, that's sort of like a distraction for all the other stuff that's going on. Shelly Miscavige has been held out supposedly, allegedly, at CST, which stands for Church of Spiritual Technology. That's mm -hmm. a super secret base out in, you, you have to Google it because I'm, I'm not recalling exactly where it's at. Mm -hmm. They have several of them, but that's supposedly where she's being kept at. David Miscavige allegedly has her there. Um, and by the way, she would be super brainwashed, super believer, and she'd be beaten down badly where she'd feel like she doesn't even want to leave. If you like all the brainwashed Scientologists, they don't even think they want to leave. So she's probably not in good condition if she's alive. And that's probably where she's being held. And, and that's, that's all I know what to say about her, man. Again, there's another example of where's okay. the justice system. Now, um, and somebody uh, asked in Super Chat, I haven't heard of it, but saying, I just see distinct similarities between cancel culture and Scientology's fair game policy. What is a fair game policy? That's where if you leave the church, quote unquote, they will sometimes hire private investigators. They'll go through your trash. They'll harass oh, you. Oh, your fair they'll, game. Yeah, they'll try to get get it so we can't connect on the computer, uh, et cetera, et cetera, allegedly, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, they come after you um, for, you know, dude, they do. I don't even know what I can say here, but I don't think it's a surprise that p the audience would know that they perhaps do things 
that might be a little bit outside of the law when it comes to fair gaming or harassing people. And it can get super brutal, by the way. Now, uh, some of this has toned down, though, right? That, that yeah. was the height yeah. of that was the early oddies, I'm mm-hmm. guessing. I, I don't want to say it's gone, though, man, or, or underplay it because they haven't stopped, but it's definitely been toned down. You couldn't even, I would have been, who knows what would have happened to me in the 80s, dude, if I was doing this. Yeah, it's because of a lot of the brave souls that have spoken out from the movie Going Clear to Leah Remini and all the pioneers that came before that to fight this thing. It's a heck of a lot easier to speak out about it and not worrying if there's, you know, a sniper outside your window getting ready to gun you down, metaphorically speaking. Sure, sure, sure. Now, okay, so from what I understand, the actual numbers of the church have shrank a good deal Mm -hmm. because of you and many other, you know, brave souls. Are they still actively recruiting people in? Yes, dude. They still get people into this day. In fact, I have people writing me saying that I had this guy write me uh, recently saying his girlfriend, you know, just got sucked into it and joined the Sea Org. Mm. You know, as long as it sits there and exists, even if people know about it with the internet, if they slide in to take that personality test, some they get recruited often by a Scientologist, un, you know, unwittingly coming up to a stranger and coaxing him to take the personality test. So even if per, a person has knowledge of it, if they go down there and they spend an hour or two, they have ways and, and means of getting inside your mind where irregardless of what you might know about it, you can absolutely fall for it. So they do still get members. Now, you're correct in saying that their membership is dropped. Their peak was 100,000 plus members in the 80s, and it's been dying ever since. But I said also in one of the videos, that's not important. They have all the money to exist for a long time and they're not likely to go away in the near future because they have a hundred or so, I don't know what the actual number would be, but whales, it's kind of a rich man's religion. Mm -hmm. And let's, for example, yeah, exactly. How many millions of dollars has Tom Cruise given them, for example? And they have Mm -hmm. businessmen that have given them millions and millions of dollars, like Craig Jensen, Grant Cardone is a Scientologist, you know, Mr. 10X. So he's given them all their freaking money they only need that my man to continue on and the membership is just kind of a front well grant's grant's not been doing well lately so that might be i heard i heard he's in real estate eric i was gonna say so many scientologists i can tell you from personal experience because scientology is a pyramid scam they have a tendency to get involved in pyramid schemes themselves through scientology kind of that seeming a good model to create your own business and wealth. So many Scientologists read Slotkin comes to mind right away, run pyramid schemes because that's what they're involved in with Scientology. So they just duplicate it and they often end up getting caught 10, 20 years down the road and going to jail. No, they work. Sadly. Yeah. They work for a time, right? Until, well, you, it, until you run out of downline. Yeah. I mean, exactly. An MLM, you know, if, if yeah. it's good to be early, <laughs> exactly it's good to be at the top exactly early yeah, and at the top king. yeah yes exactly okay so are some of these people you, you mentioned the acting school and i could not help but think um any type of an educational institution or gathering whatever is a, a fantastic place to recruit others especially if there's like a meaningful pressure now 
you know, I thought about wanting to be an actor back in the day and I have a face for radio. So that, that thought left me very quickly, <laughs> but ultimately it is one of the most brutal, horrible fields for the ego because your the rejection rate is astronomical and it's just whim. It, it's not, you know, it, it makes, it has to make you feel incredibly small and it's just well you just yeah you're not the type it's not saying you're not they're not quality you're not brilliant you could be all these things but just for whatever reason maybe you look like their cousin you're not going to get cast the majority of the time you're going to hear no 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 in that acting school are there a lot of them who shall we say maybe join the religion because it's like this is going to give you that little edge that casting director could be a Scientologist and Hey, maybe you won't get the lead, but you know, I'll take the secondary character or, you know, if I could just get one line and get a SAG card, is it that kind of thing? Yeah. In fact, it's more than that. They don't, they kind of sell that they have, they'll t- they do. They have programs that they run in. Um, they used to run it in backstage West, which is an actor newsletter or magazine or whatever, as well as other places. They'll go to central casting where young hopefuls are signing up to do background work. They mm-hmm. actively recruit those people, get them down there. And like I said, subtly and not so subtly promise them, hey, we know casting directors in the industry, a few casting directors, of Scientologists. We The big sell was many years ago when they really did kind of have those connections. They've been kind of dying out. But right. even today, they absolutely have courses specifically designed. And then they'll bring in their little C-level actors and stuff in those meetings so that mm-hmm. the starry-eyed newbies can be like, oh, Christ, it works for him. I, I, I'm going to sign up for this $30 course. They, that's, they hook people like that every week, you know? So, I mean, did it actually work? I mean, er- early in your career, did you get a couple parts because... No, it doesn't work. I, I, dude, I didn't work for like 10 years. Scientology didn't do anything for me in that. Um, it, like, it gave me the confidence. It gave me the network. But if people are thinking it's a secret way to like meet a whole bunch of people and you're going to get instant access to Hollywood, it wasn't like that for me. Perhaps it's like that for a few other people. But you still have to work your butt off. And like you said, I hate it too. It's like... Um, you know, you look like somebody's cousin, you can have all the talent in the world. It doesn't matter. It's, it's the whole thing is kind of sucks. Yeah. I just love acting. I can't stand any of the, um, what you just talked about. I just can't not be, I just like the creative aspect of it. Right. 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 And you're also a musician. I recall. I was a musician and that was my main goal, but I kind of um, decided to become an actor because I did that when I was younger in school. And it was Mm -hmm. something that one of the only things that I can do, I have a natural talent. And so it was something I could develop and become better at music. I had to practice forever and I had to give it up because I wasn't (laughs) going to be my, was it like you said, you have a face for radio. I wasn't going to be a musician, dude. I wasn't very good. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, yes, musicianship is work and you probably had the ladies, right? So you're like, yeah, yeah. uh, uh, Adam Carolla cracks me up, but he talked about John Popper of, uh, I think, Blues Traveler and Mm -hmm. saying that the guy's a brilliant multi-instrumentalist and harmonic, you know, playing harmonica and everything else. He goes, you know, that's because he was alone in the evenings during high school practicing because he couldn't get the women. It's true. Anyone it's true. Women has no talent later in life. <laughs> That's why so many musicians get into it. I'd be lying if I didn't say that I didn't practice scales every single night. Uh, you know, after high school, for that for that very reason. 
So it was but guitar, we, we also yeah. so it was guitar, but also Eric, we played. I played a kind of style of music that didn't really get the chicks. The girls looked like they had a bomb exploded in their face. If we, were, oh. I played death metal, so they didn't. You know, the oh. kind of girls, the groupies we had were very, very rough, shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, too funny, too funny, and that's almost the opposite. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. You had mentioned early, and I, I forgot to bring it up, but uh, um, uh, marijuana and um, ruin and all that. I, I, I think I've heard you say Narconon a, a bunch of times. Is there some sort of tie between Scientology and Narcotics Anonymous? Not Narcotics Anonymous, but that's a good observation because L. Ron Hubbard did choose that word Narconon because it sounds like okay. Al-Anon, Narcotics Anonymous. It, it's, you might get it mixed up. That's their front group. They have them all over the world. It's super damaging. It's a way to get uh, drug addicts into Scientology after they get rehabilitated. And they don't get rehabilitated because it's strictly Scientology choruses, which are ridiculous when these people need real medical help. It's a complete fraud, Eric. We can go into more detail if you want, but it's no, no, I, I so actually do not scientific. I want to that because I think mm-hmm. that... Um, that's a really creepy concept in the sense, and I, I'm not being judgmental. If it sounds judgmental, I apologize. But if somebody is deep into an addiction, they are easier to influence than somebody who is not deep into an addiction. And I see them as a victim and I fear them being re-victimized while seeking help. So that's kind of why I wanted to explore that because people might get confused and they hear Narcanon and they have um, somebody who they love and then maybe there's this free program or helpful program and all of a sudden they've turned over somebody who has a, a genuine problem into a whole new set of problems. That is just like when they recruit people that are gay, where they think that there's something wrong with that. They're predators. They're vultures. So they always find somebody that's already down and out and they kick the crap out of them, just like you described. That's why when you talk about Narconon and stuff like that, it really gets under my skin because what, what, how is that allowed to continue on in broad daylight? It's obvious what's happening. It's obvious they're doing exactly what you said. And many people, my friend, have committed suicide after doing or during the Narconon program. Because as you said, they're at their low already. They don't get any help. They just get brainwashed. And not only do they not get help, it's bad what they do there, dude. And there was actually three high profile deaths in Narconon Arrowhead, I believe in 2017. There's many from Narconon, but this was high profile. And there they sit. There's probably somebody right now, dude, on the internet paying $10,000, signing up their kid that needs real help, and they're going to go get thrashed down at Narconon. Wow. Now, okay, uh, that that was something I forgot about. Uh, You talked about in other episodes, like some sort of a process. Um, Somebody mentioned that you can um, sweat the toxins out of your body. Is this what you're talking about here? Yeah. Do you want me to describe it a little bit about I'm sorry. Yeah, because it sounds similar to me like the guy in Arizona who was running an MLM and he would do sweat lodges mm-hmm. and some people yeah. died. Yeah. Is this I know is this similar? I know who you're talking about. That yeah, you don't go out into the woods and do I mean that that looked creepy, dude, when I saw that. 
you go, it is, it is similar though. You go into these fancy facilities and I'll just tell you what it's like briefly. Yeah, the reason please, someone, go through, go through yeah, the whole sure. process. I mean, if you don't sure. mind, you know, draw a picture because that'll help. Sure. No problem. And by the way, I had to do that three times because, um, I smoked marijuana on it. Uh, well, first of all, I did it first one time and then I smoked weed. So I had to do it again. And I, I ended up doing it three times. Um, well, that was your coping so this mechanism, is how, and they didn't like it. Yeah. Well, anytime you do drugs, they always throw you into the sauna, throw you into the purification rundown. That's what Unless they call it. Unless you're L. Ron. Thing. Huh? Unless you were L. Ron. Yeah, exactly. L. Ron could do drugs. He didn't. He just set the rules down, dude. He didn't have to follow them, of course. He, <laughs> he was a massive drug addict. He did everything that I, we thought that he wasn't doing and told us to do. Anyway, so here's how it works, Eric. Since I did it three times, I'll tell you, the reason you buy into it is because it looks like uh, it's a running program. You take a lot of vitamins and you're going to simply sweat out your toxins that are supposedly stored in your fatty tissues in a sweat lodge. So it sounds innocent enough, but here's what really happens. They overdose the crap out of you with vitamins, which can cause liver damage and even up to death. Mm. They then after you take increasing amounts of vitamins over a month or two that you do this, sometimes longer. You then run around because they give you massive amounts of niacin. Your body turns red. You start itching and stuff. Now yeah. check this out. This is what they tell you ha it is happening when you're actually being, you're really jacking up your body. They tell you that sunburns that you've had in the past are going to come out and be turned back on in the sauna through this program. If you had an LSD, uh, you might have LSD flashbacks. In other words, <clears throat> their science is that all the LSD you took is stored in your fatty tissues and is always with you. Um, all the, uh, Eric, I'm going to have to plug this in so I don't freaking, um, yeah, I don't yeah, yeah, lose yeah. you, man. Okay. So anyways, uh, hold that thought one second while I get plugged in over here. No problem. No problem. <clears throat> okay. Got some comments here. Steve Britton says you pee really, really yellow. <laughs> yeah, that's another one. Um, so what, what? how they reframe this? Let me see if I can get a good. Oh, yeah. By the way, you said their science, and I, I have to agree with uh, Zentz29, WTF, this isn't science, it's insanity. Yeah, he means science with quotation marks. <laughs> yeah, this is, let me tell you their version of science, what they say. So, of course, that's not true. You don't store any of this stuff in your fatty tissues. Your sunburns aren't waiting to be reactivated through this program. But they tell you that, and, and, I, and it sounds scientific when you read their stupid book with all the uh, mumbo jumbo. They love your wall art. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was showing. <laughs> Eric, I don't smoke weed, man. It's not, it's, I promise, but don't report me to the church. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, you're, you're like Steve Martin in 79 when he's like, I'm, well, I, I, I don't smoke weed. Well, never, never at this time of day. And then never, and it's like, never Finally, before brunch just, in the end. Uh, the only thing you say. Uh, that's funny, man. So anyways, um, so this program is, dude, let me just tell you when I did it, because you're taking so much niacin and you're overdosing your body and you're injuring it, you do have things turned on my, my skin and other people's skin has turned purple. Um, I did get super red. So there's the sunbirds coming out and what they say might be your LSD flashbacks and all that. Um, 
is when you start to lose it and go crazy in the sauna. So people lose their minds, their body gets red, purple. Sometimes ooze actually comes out of your skin because the, the vitamin overdose is, is really damaging. And they reframe that as a special science or technology where mm. you're flushing out and getting rid of these toxins. And by the way, the way you finish that and the way you finish any process in Scientology is you have to have a blowout or a major stable win. Something has to happen, right? So when I did this for about two months, it jacked me up so much. And this is what happens is you kind of go into just like in anything in Scientology, whether it's the auditing or the training, you go into an ecstatic state of mind and you kind of crack a little bit and it feels good. It feels like, you know, like those people in the sweat lodges and people mm -hmm. that go to transcendental mm -hmm. meditation or, or run people that go to Sure. Yeah. Or landmark different. forum, right? Land, yeah. They go to landmark and they're just converted over three days. And they're like, they, this is the same process that happens in all these multi-level marketing groups, whatever you want to call these religions. So anyways, that's, that's what happens. And that's how it's explained, how it's a science when you're actually, you know, cracking your mind. And like I said, when you finally hit that cracking the mind point, it feels euphoric and you feel like you found a, a, an incredible new technology. At what point do you actually do that? Because again, you know, when I was saying in abusive relationship, you tend to not abuse the partner in your first date. This right. sounds like you're going, uh, you know, a bit down a path before you, um, shall we say, are quote ready. And another observation is that procedure seems like a hazing to me. And I mean, hazing as in a way to bring people deeper into it. Um, there's been some studies going on that, like in tribes, when, you know, people are hazed when they come to an a of an age, they bond even deeper into that situation. That's really interesting, man. I hadn't thought about that, but that makes a lot of sense what you said. They actually do the purif purification rundown at the beginning of Scientology. So there's not a, a lot of lead up, but there is some, you have to do a few things before that. Mm. But uh, that's just really interesting what you said, because it's a major step that you do on the bridge to total free. And it, it is like a hazing and initiation exercise that kind of bonds you to the group, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. The yeah, ritual, it, it just, you know, it, it made me think that big, and, and that there's been a ton of psychological studies on that. And on mm -hmm. that note, Everybody knows that Scientology despises psychology. Is it because there are names for a lot of the procedures in Scientology or things that are going on like um, confirmation bias and cognitive dissonance and uh, things of that nature? Yeah, dude. If you had a basic degree or understanding of psychology, you would recognize Scientology right away for what it is. So that's why he's poo-poo on sci uh, psychology and particularly psychiatry because they wanted to throw L. Ron Hubbard in a mental institution because he was crazy. So yeah, if you understand, that's what I was bitching about in these videos. If I would have understood psychology or been taught about these mind control techniques or basic psychology in school, I would have been able to recognize right away what L. Ron Hubbard was doing. So yeah, they definitely don't want you studying that. You'd figure it out right away. That's a good term. I've never heard this before. Kevin Hornbuckle says trauma bonding. Yeah, or trauma-based mind control is another word for it. Wow, all these great terms for things. Okay, <laughs> so we're getting laid in, and now I've got to take you down the dark path. All right, let's do it, man. You're in, and you obviously 
you mentioned a previous girlfriend that you kind of just were like, Hey, you know, go, yeah, go check it out and stuff. At some point, I imagine you are an active recruiter for the organization. How does that go about in terms of one, when do they tell you, Hey, you know, Doug, we're so proud of you. We see that you're absolutely sincere in what you're doing. You've made such wonderful progress and it would be a shame that you can't share what you're doing with others. At what point do they have that conversation? I of course made that up as I went along. I don't know how accurate that is. It's all throughout Scientology, even at the very beginning. For example, when you do one of their auditing processes, which is where you hold the soup cans and you get hypnotized by another psychotherapist, but you don't, you just think you're doing psychotherapy. At the very end of every session, when you're in the suggestible state, they look you right in the eyes and they say, would you like others to have the wins and gains that you now have? That actually is a powerful suggestion that made me and other people want to proselytize Scientology. <clears throat> also, all part of their courses and all throughout their training, they're constantly beating you over the head about how this is the greatest good for the greatest number of, uh, I don't want to use their terms, dynamics. Uh, in other words, they're constantly telling you that Scientology is the greatest thing since sliced bread. We need to clear the planet and you have to get other people in because this is a mission of do or die, like any you know doom, doomsday religion. And Another thing, though, is I personally didn't thank God. I only got one person in, and that was my girlfriend, which she, not that girlfriend, but another one, but she got out right around the time that I did. She's kind of just doing it because I was, but I hated, um, you know, promoting it to people. I didn't, I knew what they were going to go through. It's really hard to get somebody in because you have to get through the brutality before you finally lose your mind and you feel like you found something special and then you take to it. So it takes a lot of work and a lot of brainwashing to actually get somebody. So thankfully that kept me away from, plus you don't want to talk about it because you know, you're in something that uh, is stigmatized. Mm -hmm. um, that's just me though. There are other people that do proselytize like crazy. You get 10% of everything that uh, that person ah, then buys. That you bring in. Hey, you can make a living out of it. Many people have, but wow. um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is that so? Okay, so that's ten percent of your first downline, and that would be ten percent of the ten percent of their downline, and ten percent. Okay, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But oh it's my. not a pyramid scheme, Eric. Please, I mean, multi-level marketing. Get it right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pyramid schemes are illegal. It kind of just takes a pyramid scheme to, I mean, by the time you add into the deep, dark stuff that Ron Hubbard was into, the occult and all that, and you add, you know, the confidential levels and everything else that they have, it's obviously a multi-level marketing or pyramid scheme, but it's on steroids, you know? Yeah, I took it all the way to lifestyle. And you mentioned uh, mm -hmm. the occult and things like that. So I think somebody earlier asked, and I meant to as well, Aleister Crowley, is that true that he was um, tight with Elrond. Well, there's a lot of speculation about that. I have my own opinions based on my own research, but um, because there's a, okay, let me just give you a background on that. L. Ron Hubbard, um, Crowley died in 1947. So when he died, since L. Ron Hubbard was a, uh, let's just say a fan of his, he was studying his works as a teenager and he was getting into mm -hmm. black magic at a young age. He loved Cro uh, Crowley. And so when he died in 1947, he took the mantle of the beast 
from Crowley and said that he himself was now Satan reincarnate because Crowley thought he was the B666, right? So L. Ron Hubbard literally thought he was Satan when Crowley died in 1947. He was a successor. He truly believed that. And he and was it may very, not be inaccurate from what I'm seeing. He looks like uh, the devil. He uh, <laughs> acts like the devil. And uh, he's either a really good actor or, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot to say about the occult aspect of it. Um because it goes deep. I mean, you throw in Jack Parsons, too, who was a, a rocket scientist. They have a place out here in Pasadena called JPL, which stands for Jet Propulsion Laboratories, but it's also infamously known as Jack Parsons Laboratories. He mm. died in a mysterious death uh, uh, at a young age doing uh, rocket work, and he was friends and connected to L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard was staying at Jack Parsons' house in Pasadena when he was doing black magic, black magic rituals out in the backyard with his, um, you know, people that were living there. I don't know how deep you want to go down that rabbit hole, but no, oh, okay. Scientology like- definitely has a lot to do with the occult, and that's part of its power as to how it keeps people, particularly at the upper levels, so bonded into it because it's really dark. Okay, somebody else asked, and I, I, I do want to cover it just to clear it up because I, from what I understand. Scientology has a lot of horrible associations with it, but I've never heard of any kind of human trafficking or sex slave or Epstein type behavior. So I, I just want to clear it up. Is it, is it involved with anything like that that you know of, or is that, would that be inaccurate? I would say it's kind of tied up in a similar way. They keep famous people and celebrities in there through blackmail. And part of the reason Scientology exists, like I was describing earlier, is the membership and everything else is a front. And they, a big part of Scientology is actually collecting blackmail material on famous and celebrity people so they can be controlled to influence the public. So as far as the Epstein type connections though, go, that's what I'm talking about. Like Epstein you know, would blackmail people. And he would, he was able to keep this whole operation going um, in similar ways. They're not a sex cult. They're not into that stuff necessarily. However, there's a lot of sexual abuse and child sexual abuse that does go on there just by the very nature of what it is. Um, Leah Remini talks a little bit about that on her show. Um, But it's not this crazy thing where somebody asked me in an interview the other day, What's weird about it? Tell me the strangest thing. Well, when you go in there and when you're around it, everything looks normal or whatever. There aren't, you know, people sacrificing each other in the corner. There isn't, you know, people, you know, having sex like an eyes wide shut or something, you know, like around the corner. It's not like that. But behind the scenes, there's a lot of abuse. There is sexual abuse and there is a sort of a global blackmail type thing, man. I do believe that it, um, we don't have to get, we'll be here for hours if we get, but there's to... more to it than might meet the eye, uh, you know, initially. But that's not its basic premise. Like, correct, like Nexium, correct. Nexium's I, a I different level. People yeah. would say that there is definitely a sexual element to Nexium. Right. It's not like Nexium in that yeah. fashion, no. So they, they took the precepts of Scientology, rewrote them, and, and added the sex cult. A new it. template. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Well, and. And I, I definitely, I, I wanted to, you know, I want to be fair about stuff. And because yeah, yeah, totally. Me too. It's like, ugh. Anyway, um, not that I'm a fan of either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I skipped around now. One, if you don't mind just 
really quickly describe an auditing session, you know, other than the general, you, you had mentioned um, holding tin cans or whatever. So can we just briefly say, okay, I walk in a room, I sit in a chair, they give me these two um, can you know, can you just break it down? I, I'm curious because, you know, we hear stuff and a lot mm -hmm. of it's just a tangential, oh, you know about, but can you right. break that? That's a great question, by the way. And I'm glad you asked that because it's really important what you just said. All we hear sometimes on the other shows is about the abuse and stuff and they never break down. How is the trick done? How do people fall for this? Right. <laughs> I'll describe to you what the auditing session is briefly. Please. So there's the level that you get up to where you hold that e-meter, the soup cans. And then there's also levels before that where you just do monotonous drills. Which one do you want to hear? Well, more? let's start with it. I mean, I, I hate to do it, but what's a drill? Let's start with that because I want to know well, what, what kind of a question would be asked or not asked. Okay. What, okay. Seems, you know. I just, I just did a video on this, so this is easy. Oh, one right. of the first <laughs> drills that, one of the first drills that I did, Eric is called book and bottle. And that's on a, on a course called TRs and, and objectives. TR stands for training routines and objectives is their way of saying, we're going to put you into present time. And by the way, that's part of their mumbo jumbo that gets you thinking within Scientology terms. And so you start thinking less and less right. in English because that doesn't make any sense to anybody. So what I did in that drill, which is one of the beginning courses, is me and my auditor who was standing right next to me, that's a psychotherapist. And he says, look, at, he has a book on one table over here and a bottle on the other one over here. And the commands are, you look at that bottle. And I do. And he says, thank you. You walk over to that bottle. I do while he follows me. Thank you. Pick up that bottle, et cetera, et cetera. And in, the questions are, what temperature is it? Uh, 80 degrees. Thank you. What's its color? Red. Thank you. Um, and there's one other question. How much does it weigh? Uh, five pounds. Thank you. Put down that book. Thank you. You look at that book and then I, et cetera. So you go back and forth, Eric, answering these three questions about this book and this bottle. I did like this. That's exactly what it is. It's a way of inducing hypnotism, my man. After I did this for about two or three weeks. Right. Yeah. You're just. Yeah, I would imagine they have techniques similar to this in the military and stuff. You're just duplicating what your auditor is doing and you're following along. And it's so monotonous and so mind-numbing. And also your focus of attention is being held, which is how you induce the trance. After I did this for a couple of weeks, I had what they call in Scientology a major blowout win, which means I went, I understand this now. But when I was in it, I was told I jumped out of my body. I was told I went exterior. You're disassociating somebody, but they reframe disassociation as exteriorization, meaning you're getting out of your body. When you're disassociated, you have a floating feeling, but they say that that's the goal and that's good because you're leaving your body, which is the goal of Scientology. You're the soul and you want to be outside of the physical universe and your body. So I got massively disassociated when I finally snapped into this trance. What it feels like, Eric, is like a download or like you're getting thoughts and ideas from elsewhere. Like like the people would say in that sweat lodge or, or at Landmark Forum, they would say, I had these revelations. I understood all these things that I didn't understand before. I know the answers to today's problems. There's nothing wrong with going into altered states of consciousness. But when a hypnotist is putting you there, reframing it and traumatizing you, you still have the same revelations you could have maybe by just meditating by yourself. But there's a lot more going on in the way of 
the trauma and the implanting of suggestion. So long story short, that day I told my, my auditor stopped and says, what's happening? And I, I couldn't put it into words. I felt incredible. And by the way, that was one of the first drills that I did where I went from being a rebellious teenager who doesn't like Scientology to this is the most beautiful thing I've ever felt. This is a really legitimate technology because I didn't have another frame of reference to understand the state of mind. So I fell in love with Scientology that day. And I've been ch- I was chasing that high ever since. And that's what Scientologists are doing. They're chasing that high that's going to happen to them when they do their, this audit. Hmm. Does that oh, make any sense? No, no. Okay. Uh, just so I clarify, it sounds like you, you were saying it's a hypnosis routine. And they, mm-hmm. I mentioned NLP, but I also have had uh, Christina Lennon, who's a stage hypnotist. Um, mm-hmm. She hypnotized Simon Cowell with her dog. Everybody check out previous I saw episode. that. Yeah. What she will do, if you talk to her uh, after, is first off, she'll be like, okay, everybody stand up, eh, sit down, and you're checking for compliance. Mm-hmm. And when they pick their volunteers, they're watching to see who's actually reacting better. Now, what you were describing to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is they're just giving you a series of nominal tasks that are non-offensive or nothing to worry about just for compliance. How rapid are these? Are they doing it pretty rapidly? Like, pick it up. What's the color? Do it up. Set it down. So that you can't really think outside of what they're telling you to do. And that's slipping into the uh, theta wave, if you will. Right. I hear what you're saying that, no, the rapidity is not what does it. The w- What does it is the mimicking of the auditor. Um, it's actually pretty complex. But let me give you another example that will mm-hmm. clarify what you said. Another drill that you that I did at the beginning and that you do at the beginning of Scientology is called hand mimicry. So my auditor, my auditor sat um, really close to me in a chair, which is invading already your space. So it's uncomfortable while I'm sitting there with this weird dude, you know, staring at me. Mm-hmm. And they also are trained to put their TRs in, which is another word for saying. They're really, this is the thousand yard stare that Scientologists are known for. They're, by looking right in somebody's eyes and speaking in a cadent speech pattern, just like the newscaster on television, they'll speak in a mm-hmm. cadent speech pattern and look right in your eyes. That's already part of a part of inducing this trance. So hand mm-hmm. mimicry, the auditor, while I'm sitting an uncomfortable distance from him, he's looking right in my eyes and they're trained to speak in this cadent speech pattern. He says, put your hands up to mine and follow their, he says, put your hands up to mine, follow them and contribute to their emotion. So we do a, a various drills like that where I'm I'm, dude, I'm mimicking wax, him. Oh, wax off. I'm sorry. I can't help myself. Yeah, that, dude, that's funny. That's exactly <laughs> what it is, dude. Now that you mentioned that, it literally is wax on, wax off with my hands. Now you, you bury it and you do other things, sure. but it starts out wax on, wax off. Yeah. But you can see, Eric, how those that combination of techniques uh, would induce that state of mind after a while. And also the monotonous repetitive process repetition also as part of that. Now, now I'm going to guess just like uh, hypnosis, not everybody's as susceptible right away. And there's other factors like moods and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they repeat this procedure over and over and over, over time until finally you give in. Is that essentially it? And then once you've given in or or gone with it, I'm guessing you can repeat it much easier. Exactly. Once you, once they can get you to experience that trance state once or twice, 
it gets very, very easy to go into. Also, this is a big part of Scientology. One of the first courses you'll sign up for is a communication course. And that's how they teach you how to stare at another person for hours on end and other types of drills that we, you know, we can go into later if you want to. They, those drills are done repeatedly throughout a Scientologist career. They put, they're the quickest ones to put you in the trance. So when Scientologists are constantly doing their TRs and practicing them, they're very, very used to going into that state of mind. Much, just like you said, it becomes, it literally puts you in a trance 24 seven after a while, dude. That's why Scientologists are hypnotized all just constantly until they wake up out of it. It, it goes really, really deep into your subconscious mind, my man. And L. Ron Hubbard, a part of being a master occultist, he was also first and foremost an expert hypnotist. So he's fully aware of exactly what he was doing and how to best induce this trance state and make a crap load of money out of it. Yeah, from my understand, he determined that if you're broke, create a religion. Yeah, exactly. But, wow. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> well, perfect. I'm there is so much to come go over. I kind of want to bring you back and and give folks time to ask questions in the comments. I think we've dug in and started down some paths, but I would really, really, really like to encourage everyone watching to please comment below and ask questions. And, and if you don't mind following the comments a little bit, that would be cool. But then maybe we can have you back in a little bit and start to address the comments because I'm sure that they'll do a better job than I have in, in going down a path. Uh, would you be willing to come back like that? You're talking to me, right? Yes, I am. Yes. Yes, definitely. Okay. Well, fantastic. And I'm going to wrap on today. Everybody check out his videos. So that way you can have, you know, some more, questions about you know what he's already covered or whatever and maybe go into some detail but it's dazed but not confused as you see on the screen and it's a, a really cool youtube channel i like what you're doing i may be talking to you offline about the narcissist you had on and see what's up with that oh yeah but, that was crazy oh and somebody mentioned leah remini and mike renders podcast i forgot the name of it but yeah it's I'm called scientology in the aftermath Okay. And you can, it's on, it's on Netflix. Perfect. And everybody definitely check that out. I would try to recruit and see if I could get them on too. But for now, <laughs> Doug, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. And if you would like even more content and community, please consider joining my locals at unstructured.locals.com. And you can always find out more about me and my shows and everything I do at erichunley.com. See you next time.